live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings and welcome in on a Wednesday morning. It's 6.07, December 8th, 2021. How's everybody doing today? We've got 23 degrees in the capital city right now. Got a great show for you. You know what Wednesday means? It is What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday. The segment we bring to the listening area. That allows folks to uh, get things off their chest that you know maybe people around them don't necessarily want to hear. Uh, we want to hear it. We want to hear you uh, get it off your chest and have a less stressful week, less stressful holiday season, and uh, be more pleasant to everyone around you. So we've got that coming up today. You know what we love on Watch Apps Ride Wednesday, though? You know what we love more than anything? People who get the segment. Okay? <laughs> People who get the segment. That's all I'll say. Um, Just look to, like to poke the bear, don't you? So let So, uh... So go ahead, and uh, and by the way, we have 810 open today, because last week, during the problems with What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday, the uh, Why Don't You Talk About Florida guy, <laughs> I had a lot of my listeners who, who were saying, Jack, you need, to, you need to redo the segment at 810 to give us what we come here for, for What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday, similar to what we did on uh, Jane Raybould Day, okay? <laughs> So, so, Have we officially marked that on the calendar? What, Jane Raybould Day? Yeah. <laughs> I, we, we need to go officially mark that on the and, calendar. And on that day, we redid the whole segment. We <laughs> couldn't last week because we had a guest scheduled at 810. We do have 810 open, uh, and so perhaps... Are you sure of that? If we... Uh, is no. there some, something on the calendar? Okay, well, maybe there is then. <laughs> Jeez, that's always a great... <laughs> it's been a week, hasn't it, guys? Yeah, it has. Uh, Caleb, how are you doing? Man, what a month, huh? Yeah, w- what a <laughs> we're, month. We're a week yeah, just been. this week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're open. We're open. Yep, we are, okay. uh, we are open. That but you will acknowledge there's something on the, ma- on the yes, calendar yes. that I... Yes. I went and looked at, but yep, it's it's not on there anymore. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, good show meeting, guys. So, uh, so, so there you go. Eight ten, uh, if we need it, or if there's just a overflow, like the one day I completely forgot the Facebook people on what chaps your eye to win. The last two weeks. Uh, yeah, so I, so I I feel bad about that. I, we, you know, our Facebook posters are are great. They're the ones who started what chaps your eye to Wednesday, and I've, uh, the textures and the callers get first billing now. So. Um, so we got that today. What chaps ride Wednesday? Uh, if you have one of chaps, you've got a chaps that you want to get in. You can text those in right now to the Rick Stein Recognition Text Line at four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. And and be careful about that text line. Why is that? Make, make sure that you dial the KLIN text line. What, has this been a problem? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, really? Uh, <laughs> someone last Friday decided to text a text line that they're used to listening to. Um, and they requested Dancing Queen by ABBA. Unfortunately, that went to Greg Sharp <laughs> to, yeah. for the Sports Nightly text line. <laughs> so. <laughs> he was, so he was very confused. Last, I have no idea. last night at the basketball game, he said, hey, sometimes we get your guys' texts. Right, people yeah. think it's going to you guys. Right. Um, what 
the hell are you guys doing on Friday mornings? <laughs> Why are people requesting ABBA on Sports Nightly? Hey, hey, listen, with the with the some of the seasons that Husker fans have been through, maybe it wouldn't be a good idea. Wouldn't be a bad idea uh, on 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 Fridays on. <laughs> Sports Nightly. I apologize. Please don't text. Please don't text song requests to Greg Sharp. KLI um, unless, unless it's a Christmas novelty song. Then go ahead. Yeah, maybe. And, and by the way, this Friday on Request Line Friday, I, I think we've said this, but I think I'm looking forward to this, but I don't know. We are doing Christmas songs you love to hate. <laughs> Christmas songs you love to hate. I've got one. Um, I think everyone does, has at least one. This one Stand might be a record a breaker. <laughs> don't, don't spoil it. So be thinking about that uh, for the next couple of days where we get to. And then, and then on the Friday after, we'll do Christmas songs you love to love. So a uh, couple of Christmas versions of what chapter I'd went, or excuse me, of uh, Request Line Friday coming up here in the uh, in the next few days. So anyway, that's what we got. And then we got John Bishop coming up at uh, eight thirty-five. A little bit of little bit of news on the Husker football front here. We'll get into that with him and uh, maybe some Husker basketball stuff as well. Uh, let's talk Women, about women's. Uh, yeah, women's too. Let's no, just talk about the women's. Uh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of what I want to. It's kind of what I want to do, but let's get some of the the uh, other headlines here this morning. Uh, I want to start with a little bit of a weather situation here. I have been sitting here constantly touting what a uh, what a nice December it's been here for the last few days. What a nice late fall, early winter, however you define it, uh, has been temperature wise. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking through my Twitter feed, and I've got a NWS Omaha snow forecast yep. coming up for this weekend, mostly to the north. North and west. Okay, good. So you know, but it it's fairly significant. Could get eight inches up around Sioux City, and and some high winds. So it's really from about Norfolk north with the uh, with the heaviest snow. They're saying a trace to two just north of Lincoln, and uh, nothing to uh, a trace to. That for here. Uh, if if this doesn't get us in Lincoln measurable snow here, you could be starting to look at the potential longest that you've gone uh, in a winter season without measurable snow. I believe it was in 2006. The first measurable snow was on New Year's Eve, and it was a big storm that year. But that's uh, one of that was I believe at the time. The latest Lincoln had seen its first measurable snow. We got Doctor Dewey coming on, I believe, next week. So we'll we'll, well, we had, we'll track we, all that. We had a, we had a trace, didn't we? Here a week or two ago. Oh, did we? Oh, okay. Well, maybe I, maybe I it's already it, happened. Well, well, it was out. There, there was definitely well, who the, knows? the well, ground was covered southeast Lincoln, but the airport. Who knows? Who knows? It's all bets are off. Yeah, there was definitely the like slight flurries when I went and did the turkey drive okay. at High V. Um, maybe it's that yeah, was that, the day. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it's maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, and we've already had had snow here. But nonetheless, um, I, I did post by the way the National Weather Service's complete uh, estimate for this uh, storm all to the north of us uh, at KLAN.com. So you can go right there and get it. All right. Stay north. Stay. Well, you know, I think I say I say stay north. Well, you know what? It doesn't really matter because did you look at next week's forecast? Yeah. Uh, it's not. It, 
I don't. They could get three inches, five inches, and it might be gone next week. I mean, they are bumping up the temperature significantly next week. Especially now. Wednesday. Wednesday. I know. I wish it was our caroling day. Our caroling day looks pretty nice too. But Wednesday, you're talking about mid seventies again. Yeah. My goodness. My and, and Thursday for our caroling day, which by the way, you you want to be a part of, go to klin.com, get us your information. We're going to be contacting uh, everyone and giving you some more details for all-star caroling uh, Thursday night. Uh, that's a high of 60, low of 29, so that'll be that'll probably be pretty good. I mean, about as good as you could hope for in the uh, in the week before Christmas. So uh, anyway, little, little peppermint hot uh, chocolate. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be very nice. What other ingredients do you got in there? <laughs> Could be <laughs> milk. Um, no, we uh, <laughs> and uh, we bumped up a tick on the uh, on the the wrist dial. Sounds like guy okay, yep. us. so yep. the highest level you can get in the orange category. If we go up another notch, we're back into red. Okay. Um, Four yeah. more deaths reported. That brings the county total to six for the month. Hospitalizations uh, continue to, uh, you know, the number of COVID-19 patients continues to climb on average. And the COVID-19 patients at Bryan, uh, the unvaccinated percentage is like 90% of those COVID-19 patients are not Mm. vaccinated. They've uh, put off or are putting off uh, some elective surgeries that require multiple overnight stays afterwards. Um, obviously the emergent ones will be taken care of, you know, those that cannot wait. So it's, uh, not getting any better. You know, and it's, it's too bad too, because I think there's an appetite among leaders. This is a bit of educated speculation, I would say, but I think there are some appetite among leaders as you get toward the end of the year into the, into the next year to try and make some changes, uh, in terms of remaining restrictions, which is mainly masks, but as it pertains not only to um, not only to the city at large and the county at large, but also schools as well. But but they're going to have a they're going to have a hard time doing that just in terms of their past precedent. If you're on the border of being in the uh, in the red again, so I'm um, not. N- not sure what the status of that is going to be as these numbers continue to change, but obviously it's something we're used to dealing with here at this point. It's become it's become old hat. We're coming, guys. We're going to come up on two years of this pretty quickly. Like we're coming up right now on probably two years of when this really started. Yeah, it'll be, in, it'll be two years. It'll be two years in January since the cruise ship and yeah. where they flew all those people to crazy uh, military bases and those. Uh, uh, seriously ill people came to the Omaha well, you know, biocontainment unit. It, it's interesting. Last night, my daughter had a, a chorus concert at her elementary school, and I realized when, when I was going to it that the, it was the first in-person school concert that we had been to that, that she had had for two full years. It would have been December 2019, the last time that they had actually done that. Really? Wow. Yeah. So it was cool. I mean, it was it was actually there was there was it was kind of nice, and it's, I mean the kids were singing through masks, but still it was uh, it was great to be in person for something like that when that was something that just hadn't just hadn't been um, for for a couple of years. Um, all right, other things going on. Um, I mean, I I can't really mince words on this. An absolutely disheartening, disappointment, disappointing. Um, 
product put on the court by Nebraska basketball yeah. against Michigan. Um, and it, it was it. There, there are obviously the disappointments and the the disheartening finishes to basketball games, or just I guess Husker men's sports yeah. that that we've seen um, from football and men's basketball this year. But when you know five minutes into the game that the game is over, that's the 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 product was not good. And in Hoiberg, I've got some some sound from him we'll have in sports, and he doesn't mince words. Calls it embarrassing. Um, says it was humiliating that the team quit. He said there was only one guy that uh, was out there and looked like he wanted to fight, and he was the one who left injured. We don't have an update on Wilhelm uh, Breidenbach, who left with an apparent knee injury, but he looked like he was in quite some pain. Um, And then you have your worst shooting night of the Hoiberg era last night. You started out three for six, and then just made... Two of 29 the rest of the way. It's uncanny. It never stops. The absolute dreadful three-point shooting, which is a you know partially a function of shot selection, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But um, and then and then an opponent who can't miss. Yeah, that that's the part. And there there was the everything joking about how on Monday, uh, Hoiberg talked and he, he apparently tried to. Do the mental thing, put two basketballs in the hoop, said, hey, it's a big-ass hoop, and everything. Can, you can see that, obviously, there's a lot of room here for a basketball to go through the tin. Um, but apparently, only opponents know how to shoot well at, at PBA. It was so bad. It, the offense was in absolute disarray. The defense was in that. I mean, some of the Michigan open threes from the corner... They had they could have waited for twenty seconds and still gotten up a yeah, wide that, open shot. That, that would to me even more than the the missing shots because we've seen missing shots before, but there's been fight. The entire lack of effort for what I'll call thirty five of the forty minutes last night because the game was tied at thirteen. There was a run Nebraska went on to tie the game early on, but for the final thirty five minutes last night, just the lack of fight. Um, not moving the ball at all on offense. Uh, Verge goes off for 30, but um, and he shot the ball well. Honestly, his, his shooting percentage was good, but the lack of involving teammates, not not swinging the ball around, not sharing the basketball. Team ended up with and six, turnovers when he, he had, did. Yeah, turnovers. He had four turnovers, three assists, so negated some stuff there. But Nebraska ended up with just six assists on the night. That ties the season low, and that is the second lowest of the Hoiberg era. They had three against Ohio State last year. Um, and then defensively, just lack of effort at, yeah. at almost all times. I, I mean, I, I hate to say this. I hate that it's gotten this because I was so, um, so hopeful. That, you know, I thought I thought Hoiberg. You, you know, you make the change like that. I thought Hoiberg is the the best candidate that you can get. It made all the sense in the world. Um, he's he's had success elsewhere. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really. <laughs> this is kind of a brutal take, but it looks like they're not being coached. I mean, it legit looks like they're not being coached, and it has for most of this season. Yeah, I know that's, that's, a, a, it's terrible, but that's what it looks like to me. I mean, it looks like there's no plan. <laughs> well, and, and, and a lot of the things that I like when Nebraska gets into gets into sets, and obviously I know you want a free-flowing offense, um, but I wouldn't be that upset if Nebraska just went and said, hey, this isn't working. We're going to call a play every time down. And guess what? Something. Now you guys have to know a bunch of plays. And as soon as we call it, because out of timeouts, things are drawn up so beautifully. Um, mm. it, it hasn't always been executed perfectly, but you can see the way things develop. 
the 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 play calling can be so magnificent. I want to see them lean more into that because the free flowing offense right now is not free flowing at all. No, yeah, (laughs) there's never. I mean, there's never fast breaks. (laughs) It's just that's one of the things that I thought would be a big characteristic of this offense. It's just there aren't. Um, I, I I hate to say it, but that's what it looks like right now is they're not being coached. So we'll uh, we'll see what you... I don't know how he's not losing his mind, just benching people like crazy. I, I, well, I don't we'll, understand that. We'll see what Saturday is. One of the things Hoiberg did say last night was he will... There will be lineup changes based on who wants to go and put in effort. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I got, they have to do that. And of course, they turn around and maybe have their toughest test of the year so far with Auburn. Yeah, uh, uh, top, top 20, 20 team. team and, uh, and a really hot team right now. So there you go. Um, just just real quick, Caleb, I know you're going to have a full update in sports, but so nothing confirmed on coaching hires nothing yet, confirmed, but it sounds but multiple like, reports. Sounds um, like on the verge. Yeah, on, on the verge of getting Pitts, OC, Whipple, and the Chicago Bears offensive lineman, uh, Rayola. So got a couple things there, and then possibility of uh, adding Bush as the special teams coordinator. Bill Bush, former yeah, special yeah, teams Bill coordinator Bush. here. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so yeah, not George W. or George right, H. W. Right, right. <laughs> Bush like the, Bush spilled like the beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. H. W. is not. Yeah, it, that wouldn't. Yeah, well, we probably not a good choice. Hey, everything on our station got got refreshed, so yeah. we we had rush in our logs. So oh my goodness, so anything is possible at this point. <sighs> All right, so we'll, we'll uh, wait for a little bit more <laughs> on I'm, that I'm as pro- well. I'm proposing that the uh, legislature uh, make uh, ransomware attacks. A capital offense. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <sighs> yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to have Caleb back. He was burning the midnight oil last uh, last night, getting the station sounding as good as it can. I think we're we're past a lot of that stuff. We hope, but still, bear with us today. You might just hear. Hey, there was there was a run right. of uh, within twenty four hours. I spent twenty one of them here. Oh boy. Well, we appreciate it. We uh, we appreciate it, but we especially appreciate that you're back with us today. So that's what we got coming up today on a What Chaps Your Eye to Wednesday. 625, 23 degrees in the capital city. You're listening to Lincoln's News and Talk, 1400 and 99.3 KLIN. Friday. All right, 637, 23 degrees in the capital city. What Chaps Your Eye to Wednesday. Uh, now's the time if you want to start getting those things that chap your hide into the Rick Stein Recognition text line. Do it now, 402-479-1400, or you can use the Facebook page if you prefer that, medium, facebook.com slash LNK today. All right, starting out with some uh, some pretty significant news, good news, I think we can all agree, uh, on the vaccinations impact on the Omicron variant of COVID, specifically as it pertains to Pfizer, but hopefully meaning that it will also pertain to some of the other vaccines that are out there. Researchers from the Africa Health Research Institute say there was a 41-fold decrease in antibodies created by the Pfizer vaccine that could neutralize the new Omicron variant. This data only comes from the blood of 12 people who have been vaccinated with the Pfizer shot. The lab reported five of the six people who also previously were infected with COVID showed much better ability to neutralize Omicron. Pfizer is coming out with its own data as early as this week regarding its vaccine's effectiveness against the new variant. The CEO of Pfizer said two weeks ago they believe they can come up with a new vaccine tailored to Omicron within 100 days. 
Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. And that that story is actually a little bit even outdated already. This has come out in the last few minutes. Pfizer said today that a booster dose of its COVID-19 vaccine may protect against the new Omicron variant, even though the initial two doses appear significantly less effective. So they said lab tests showed a booster dose increased by 25-fold the level of neutralizing antibodies against Omicron. Uh, they announced that in a press release hasn't yet undergone scientific review um scientists have speculated the high jump in antibodies that comes with the third dose vaccines might be enough to counter any decrease in effectiveness there so um so uh, again hopefully some good news there um but it's it's maximized that well the initial dose does some uh, does some help? It's maximized with the third dose, the booster dose of the vaccine, but also some resistance by people who have also had COVID as well. There, according to the the numbers in a small sample uh, so far out of Africa. Um, just uh, stand on some of the vaccination stuff. Another judicial hit on the Biden vaccine mandates. This one as it pertains to federal contractors. A federal judge in Georgia has issued a nationwide injunction preventing the government from enforcing a vaccine requirement for federal contractors. The judge in Savannah said, quote, even in times of crisis, this court must preserve the rule of law and ensure that all branches of government act within the bounds of their constitutionally granted authorities. Separate mandates for healthcare workers and for businesses that employ more than 100 people have also been blocked by courts in Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the Justice Department will, quote, vigorously defend the mandate in court. In Washington, Sean Lancho, yeah. Fox News. I mean, obviously appeals are coming, but so far at the lower levels of federal courts, um, different portions of the vaccine mandate have not gone particularly well for the Justice Department and for uh, for the Biden administration. And now you've got basically two big parts of it that are on hold for the time being, essentially with injunctive relief from the court, whether it be the uh, whether it be the, the the healthcare workers, whether it be the federal contractors. Now with this, and so uh, I think it's it's less than a sure thing right now that this thing is fully going to go into effect at any time. But we'll see. Like I said, um, they said the Justice Department is going to continue on this, and there will be appeals. Uh, all right, moving on. What else do we have going on? Do you, <laughs> this story. Uh, do you have anybody in your in, in your life that's a aggressively loud talker? <laughs> do, do you know these people? Maybe it's me. I don't. If it's if you don't, maybe it's you. That could be a problem for me. Oh, I, yes, there are. And not only are there those people, I will be seeing them in like ten days. Oh, okay. Well, it, that's the the holiday when you get together. You know who the loud talker. Well, uh, you know what? Uh, let's um, let, let's hope uh, they're vaccinated. Oh. Do you happen to know anybody who seems to have trouble controlling the volume of their voice? Well, a new study out by Colorado State University says yes, loud talkers and singers are more apt to spread the virus. The study measured the aerosol produced by people in a lab setting. The same study says that men were more likely to spread the virus through the air than women. The study was originally developed early in the pandemic to figure out how to safely return to the performing arts. John Saucier, Fox News. All right. You know, it is amazing, Caleb, with all of the uh, time that we've spent boxed together closely in a room, loud talking, loud singing, (laughs) all all of those things that... uh, 
that we've been okay so far. All, all of the well, yeah, that that's all just what's happening on air during the breaks. There's a lot more shenanigans oh, yeah, and yelling. No and, idea. Now, now here is an interesting question, unrelated to the COVID part of it, but an interesting question for you: Who are the harder people to deal with in your life? The chronic loud talkers or the chronic quiet talkers? Do you know any chronic quiet talkers? Because I've got, I've actually got more of those in my life than I do the chronic loud talkers. I feel like the chronic quiet talkers are literally anyone you live with, right? Because it's constantly, you're not talking loud enough. I cannot hear you. Oh my gosh. Yes, that always always starts to happen in in couples and families where it's not just what I can't hear you. It becomes kind of a more punitive what I can't. Like like this. Daughter will say something to me. And I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> like I am now upset at you I am upset. for the volume of your I voice. Ter- but so the, at least in in the family setting, you're familiar enough. Yeah, the couple set that you can just sort of be disgruntled that the people around you can't talk clearly or loud enough for you to hear it. But the problem is when you're not in that situation and with you, you're you're with friends or coworkers or whoever it is, and they're out there, the quiet talkers. <laughs> And here's they are among us. Th- they're among us, and you'll, they'll start to say something, and you're like, "Okay, concentrate, concentrate, listen, block out all the other things," and you still you're like, "I didn't understand that. I didn't hear that." And then you go, "What? Come again? What?" And th- and I get there are a few people in my life where I get to the point where I do two "What did you say?"s Okay, and then by the th- if I have to do a third one. I basically have a rule that it's time to act like I knew what they were talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. And hopefully they're not saying, like, eh, my grandma just died. <laughs> but the quiet talkers are very, very stressful. I'd almost prefer the loud the loud talkers to the quiet talkers. Uh, all right. What else do we have? Uh, Biden and Putin had their Zoom meeting yesterday. Um, so hopefully everything's taken care of now. After that two-hour video chat between President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was asked if the world is any safer after that video chat. He said he could not predict that and only would say that time will tell. The discussion between President Biden and President Putin was direct and straightforward. There was a lot of give and take. There was no finger wagging. Biden did threaten economic action if Putin ramps up his military action against Ukraine and also called for Putin to de-escalate. Oh, you know, I, I'm sorry. My dog barking in the background uh, is working from home. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was solid. That was good. Was it? Are you being... Wait. No, no, no. Are like, you being serious? Yeah, that that was... Because you, you not only the the accent was okay, it was a little Transylvanian for me. But <laughs> I, I know I really battle with the the Count Chocula, yeah, thing, yeah, the you, Dracula. Yeah, it was getting a I'm little bit into that. But the current circumstances, working from home, you right? know, it's just uh, the kids are running all over, uh, dogs are barking. Is, somehow you're getting Italian, <laughs> like a little bit. But you know, the nice the nice thing, I uh, not wearing pants, so that's nice. It's getting worse, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. I should have just stopped when I was Yeah, spaghetti. Well, guess what? I got another story where I have an opportunity to redeem myself because <laughs> guess who else is boycotting the Olympics domestically? 
Good eye. Australia will not send a diplomatic delegation to the Beijing Winter Olympics next year, as confirmed Tuesday by Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who cited China's failures to have discussions with his government over numerous issues, including the country's human rights abuse record. There's been no obstacle to that occurring on our side, uh, but the Chinese government is consistently uh, not, ac- not uh, um, accepted. As of now, Australia will still send athletes to the Winter Games. This as the UK now ponders a ministerial boycott of the Olympics following the lead of the United States after the White House on Monday announced they would not send a delegation to China, a move that has garnered support from human rights groups. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. So there's not going to be anybody there. I mean, they already don't have uh, people going to watch it. Now, U.S., Australia, U.K., I'm sure they'll be joined. Uh, Canada's got to get in that group, right, at some point. Right. Uh, Your France's of the world. Guess what? The athletes will still be The athletes will still By the way... How many Australian athletes are in the Winter Olympics anyway? It's, I mean, I, I, they always say it's winter in the summer there, and it's summer in the winter. Uh, there, <laughs> their, their swimmers are going to show up. Like, does it snow, this is a dumb question. Does it snow in Australia? I, I'm sure I somewhere. parts of it. like the They've got some mountainous area, right? Like the far south of Australia. Yeah, it looks like we've got about, got about two inches here. Uh, the kangar- the kangaroos and didgeridoos are are slipping around in the snow and ice. Um, it does snow in some parts of Australia. Uh, there's, it's mostly in the in the south for about three months of the year. There's some opportunity. Well, that's what I said. The south oh, there's of a picture of kangaroos in the snow. I told you, kangaroos they start to jump around in the snow. It's a wallaby winter wonderland out there. I don't think they have like a hockey team or a downhill skiing team, right? I don't. I, I'm. I'm not sure what they're. But they probably have like a snowboarder or something. There's an Australia like hockey a, league. There's an Australian hockey league. Really? Yeah. I feel like wow. we. I feel like we could play in that. <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, but but uh, yeah, there's going to be. It looks like more. Of, and China's going to be mad. Ooh, China's going to be mad. They want this to be. You know they. They get legitimized by the IOC, right? They get they get the IOC to come do fake interviews oh, with geez, their tennis yeah. players who have disappeared off the the face of the earth. The IOC so the saying IO, everything's fine. The IOC sets up this huge party for them in Beijing, the second Olympics there they've had in in twenty years. And hey, the whole world's gonna come, and uh, everything's fine, right? Well, you know, all the countries of the world are together, and now it's starting. To fall apart for them and the party that they had planned with the rest of the world, which was all going to be monitored on cameras and stealing cell phone data and the like, may not be quite as big as they had hoped. But Putin will probably be there, right? He'll probably go. I love the Winter Games. Uh, all right, what else do we have? Hey, go- maybe good news in 2022 for workers. Just generally, a lot of the bigger companies in the United States are planning on uh, beefing up those checks for their uh, for their workers in 2022. Maybe, maybe a big raise coming your way. Companies are planning to set aside more money to increase pay next year than at any point since 2008. The Wall Street Journal reporting the conference board survey set for release Wednesday finds on average 3.9% of total payroll will be put aside for wage increases and a bump in salary ranges, which would result in higher minimum, median, and maximum salaries, suggesting a broad-based effect on work across the company's pay scale. 
A sustained rise in wages could also push consumer prices higher as companies raise prices to compensate for pay increases. Lillian Wu, Fox right, News. So maybe good news, maybe uh, maybe bad news. Jeremy says Jax Putin would be a great Bond villain. <laughs> Mr. 007. Yes. I see you too are not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate an adversary who who knows the joys of no pants. I appreciate your confidence, Bond. But now I must kill you. (laughs) You killed my father. With an ice pick. Which you'll unbelievably turn around in seconds into my own demise. It's got freaking lasers. <laughs> Last but not least, the most mispronounced words of 2021 list is out. Oh, do you have somebody in your life that just mispronounces a certain word all the time? And Do you have a Chipotle person in your life? Do you have a person who pronounces kindergarten? Kindergarten? Yeah, they have one of those. Well, here's here, here are the words of 2021 that they're probably doing it with. If you found yourself stumbling over some of the popular words of 2021, you're not alone. Many of us seem to be having trouble pronouncing Omicron, the new COVID variant, as well as the cryptocurrency Dogecoin and Chugi, a trendy term popularized by Gen Z and used to mock an outdated and unfashionable aesthetic typically associated with millennials. The most mispronounced words list is out, generated from a survey by the U.S. captioning company, which captions and subtitles TV events. It's the sixth year for the list, and other words making an appearance on it include singer Billie Eilish's last name, as well as Chipotle and Chinese (laughs) fast fashion company Xi'an. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. There's half of those I haven't heard of. Hoogie? Nope. The Gen Z, Gen Y battle, look, I'm out. I'm out on those two can battle it out, right? Join us. Join us, no, Jack. You're battling the younger. You're battling the youngs. Join X's us just, in fighting the next generation. And for a while, the Ys and the Boomers were fighting. You've had every virtual matchup of generations having their beefs, and X is never in any of them. Never in any of them. We got nothing. We got nothing. I don't know. We're just we don't care. We're wearing our flannel, listening to our grunge. Nobody views you. No generation views you as a threat. Oh, I will soon change that. <laughs> I think I did 40 different versions of that same accent in this segment alone. That's called range, folks. Have you ever met a voice talent like this? A dialect talent like this? I don't think so. 653. Talk to a cop next on KLIN. All right, 655. Officer Chad in the house with us today. Good morning. I'm glad I could entertain you with my <laughs> very regional dialects there from I, around the world. I, I may have cut you off at the knees there a little bit, and I said... You said Caleb's else, Australian yeah. was good, and mine wasn't. That's No, I, I, I said that's his how was I, That's believable. how it sounded to me. Well, that's not the way it, it was meant. I apologize, but his is much more believable. <laughs> and that's why no one's battling Gen X. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> See, we, we don't want to pick a fight with I, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> 
Chicken uh, and Rich at Gen Z and Gen Y are battling it on idiotic words they made up. They need to get off their social media and learn to work more than 15 hours a week without having emotional breakdowns or needing participation awards. Caleb, your thoughts? Well, seeing as literally I worked 21 of 24 hours earlier this week, I uh, feel like that argument's out the window. Yeah. I think what he's saying is he's on overtime now. Uh, yeah, I think so. If only, if only. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, here's here's my question for you today. This is kind of a a, a light one, but okay, I, do police cars have radios or like like as in like listen to LNK today oh, with Jack yeah. and friends? Absolutely. Like, turn off. Can you? Are you? Can you listen to the radio? And you because you got to have your ears, I assume, on the on the actual it's police called, scanner. It's called multitasking. Okay. So, <laughs> not only do I pay attention to what's on the police radio, the computer screen that's in front of me, and everything that's supposed to be going on in front of me outside the car, I still have the tunes on. Okay, too. you do have the tunes oh, on. When absolutely. You drive. Okay, absolutely. I not, like I didn't know if you were even allowed to do that. Oh yeah. Are there like? CD players or like, like I, you know, honestly, it, it kind of depends on the car. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a charger in oh about 2010 or 11 that had a CD player. I actually had a six disc CD player. <laughs> wow! Um, Wait, one of the ones that were in the trunk? No, no, oh, it was uh, it was the one that you okay, feed in the dash. Okay, okay, yeah. But uh, no, I've had several that actually have uh, the Bluetooth capability, so you can just play Amazon or Sirius through your phone, okay. whatever you want to do. Or the KLIN app. Or that's exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> um, uh, you know, when I first started, a few of them still had. Cassette players. Nice. Well, we may have to oh, explain my. that to Gen X and Gen Z. Yes. <laughs> or, excuse oh, me, Y and Z. Yeah, speaking of Gen X, the multi-disc player was the ultimate when I was oh. in high school. And people, I asked you if it was in the trunk, because you remember the people oh, who had yeah. the trunk load ones? Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing. They had the cartridge. You stacked them in. And yes. Then, yes. And then yeah. the other thing, do you remember the removable faces? On, on, I still have one. Do you, <laughs> still like, have it'll one. never get stolen. You just yep. take it off and you lock it in your glove compartment. Yep. And supposedly that was the way to avoid your car stereo getting stolen. So I, one of my good friends in high school was a big stereo guy, and he had the detachable face CD player, and yep. he would take the face off and put it in his pocket whenever we went in somewhere. Yep. He refused yep. to leave I, it in the I car. had that same guy that I went to high school with. Exactly. I, I, I get it, because, man, that was a big deal then. It was, to- it was totally different. Yeah. I would go. You remember going to like Best Buy? going to stores and just like looking at all the car, car stairs and pumping them way loud and all the graphics on them. Uh, uh, can I make a little confession here? Yes. All right. So I, I think I've told you guys I'm a, a music nerd. The one time I ever snuck out of the house was to go to, and I, I can't think of the record store that used to be at 48th and O when the Metallica Black album came out. Me and a group of guys from school snuck out of the house to there go get that album. There was a blockbuster music over there for a uh, while. No, that, not was, that. It was at 48th and O on the southeast corner. In, southeast corner, okay. I, you know what? I'm oh, sure I should I'm gonna, know that. Maybe a little before my time. Yeah, it was just kind of a little mom and pop type yeah. deal in the early 90s, but that was the one time I yeah. snuck out in the house. All right, we took too much time. Tell me about what's going on with <laughs> uh, Let's do anti-security. This one is from the 31st of October. A uh, victim in this case had his wallet stolen from his vehicle, and the credit card and bank cards were used in a bunch of different places around town. Uh, he's out about $840. Um, take a look at the pictures. You'll see kind of a peculiar hat that he's wearing in the pictures on this one okay uh, next one do we have time for another real yep you real got part. 10 seconds all right who am i a victim had uh she was struck in a car twice was able to get away and make a report this one's from the 30th of october uh didn't know the guy that was in the car with her but if anyone recognizes him we'd sure like to find out doodling crime you can check those out 
for more detail and help out perhaps there. Good to talk to you, Chad. I Thank appreciate you, it. Go bump some tunes now. <laughs> All right, 7 o'clock, KLI. And- All right, it's time to go. We give you a little bit of a release valve every week on Wednesdays. It's called What Chaps Your Eye on Wednesday. We know just things in life that get under your skin, that drive you nuts. You just kind of kind of stew on them. You kind of internalize them. Uh, and sometimes you try and externalize them to the people around you, and it, uh, you know, it just doesn't go that well. Yeah, you're termed the whiner. Nobody wants that, right? It's not doesn't make for good dinner table talk. And so uh, we give you this opportunity to uh, once and for all find somebody who's going to uh, listen to you and talk to you about it, get it off your chest. Uh, nothing's too small. Nothing's too small. And you know what we love? People who get the segment. People who get the segment are what drives what chaps your hide Wednesday. So. We want to know what is chapping your hide today. The ways to get in touch with us, as I said, Rick Stein Recognition Hotline. Give us a call if you want, or you can text us in at that same number, 402-479-1400, facebook.com slash LNK today. Guys, I want to start out with one real quick. I just want to get out there because I thought of it last night. And I don't know I, I don't know that anybody's particularly at fault for this, but it just it stinks. Um, but I went to my daughter's school concert last night, and it was the first um, school concert event that we had been to in literally two years so it was it was great to be back doing that um and and i've got a son who plays basketball daughter's involved in a whole bunch of music uh stuff at school and one of the one of the weirdly good things about the pandemic is they put everything on youtube either live or recorded Mm -hmm. through school activities games concerts performances like everything was on youtube and so grandparents in iowa Great grandmother um, who lives in an assisted living home. All of the they were able to watch everything all year. They're always watching their grandkids do stuff. This year, totally gone. Mm-hmm. It's totally gone, and uh, and uh, at least it is here in in Lincoln. Which I'm sure there's budgetary reasons. I'm sure there's there's some sort of reason to do that. But it like gave them this little hook where they had a year of seeing. You know, literally every one of my son's basketball games and a bunch of the baseball games that were going on as well. And all these performances, these music performances that they did in private settings where they weren't concerts. And now they keep asking, like, do you have a link so we can watch that? Like, not anymore. There are right. some there are some places that kept that up. Are there? Uh, but but that is a that is a disappointment. That's a chap I have coming out of the pandemic that we didn't keep some of I these things that, that we found. I thought that was such a nice were, thing. Yeah, yeah, the things that we found that were conveniences. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, the the amount of just the the joy that came along with that for uh, people who have, especially grandkids, but you know, especially grandkids that live in, in different places. I'm just bummed that that isn't a thing anymore because I've had father-in-law texting me a lot. He's like, hey, is there, do you have a link for this game? I'm like, no, they don't do that anymore. Sorry. After watching every single game last year. So anyway, that is, uh, that's mine. Uh, all right, let's go to the Facebook page. Nobody on the phone, so that is, uh, that's just fine. Uh, Armin says, driving to work in the dark and driving home in the dark. I'd never make it in Alaska. Oh. The driving home in the dark, which luckily I don't do because of my hours, but I do remember when I had had a job when I did that. I don't know what it was, but pulling out of pulling out of that office I used to be at by the uh, by downtown Lincoln at five thirty at night in pitch black for some reason was the most depressing possible thing. I I couldn't stand that. But then well, jo- well, well, go ahead. Well, for someone who drives a lot in the dark, especially in the morning. I will tell you what chaps my hide is red light Lincoln. 
Still having problems with that? Four times. Four red out? lights today coming in from 84th and out to broadcast out. Really? 84th and out. Uh, I, um, red light Lincoln. You know, and it's weird, too, because in terms of the dark thing, I feel that like month that we get in June where I'm on the verge of sometimes driving in some light. Mm-hmm. Makes me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> I can't stand that. Well, I can't stand because I'm like, oh my gosh, am I like really late? It just it feels wrong to me. So well, the driving in the dark in the morning is comforting to me in a weird way. But the afternoon, well, usually, I, I get your pain. You, you, you don't see that. the foxes and the coyotes as much. That's because true. They've already gone to bed. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, and then Joel says, uh, in response to that, I haven't driven to or from work since March of twenty. I think he means twenty twenty. Uh, but he said March twenty twenty one. So uh, yeah, or maybe he's retired. I'm not sure. Uh, Sandy says, when your pharmacy app tells you the refill is ready to pick up, but when you get there, it's not. You know, the the pharmacy apps, it's a blessing and a curse, right? It is really, it's really convenient for those for those of us who uh, have some prescribed medicine that we take regularly. And, you know, they give you a notification, you just boop, push the button, and there it is. But, man, if it is time to refill or your refill is ready and you don't act immediately, <laughs> you will find out about it in every way. They will text, email, call, send a carrier pigeon, <laughs> everything they can absolutely let you do to know, hey, your refill's almost done. They don't have a drone with one of those little signs that they pull behind airplanes. <laughs> exactly. Fly around your house. Uh, Jason says... My inability to put jet dry in the dishwasher without wasting what seems like a whole lot of it. If anyone knows the secret, please fill me in. Okay, so is that the clear stuff that you put that's in the little bubbles that you see? Yep. Well, it's not that hard, is it? It depends on your dishwasher, I would imagine. Oh, maybe it does. I don't. And and the, the way they design those bottles, it's a lot like the coffee pot out here, you know. You dribble on the counter every time you pour coffee. Here's my thing. I use the, in my little, in the detergent area that you put the dishwasher in, I use I use those little pods uh-huh. that you put in. But a lot of times they get, they're kind of slick when you put them in there. It's, it's wet in that area. And they'll get vertical and you can't get them down. It's like playing operation with dishwasher <laughs> pods and you cannot get it down. And then, let's be honest. I don't know if you guys have this experience with dishwashers. But are they like less effective than they used to be? Uh, yeah, I, I don't I know. So. I just there. I still have. I've, I've had a couple of dishwashers, and I'll occasionally have this thing where it looks like somebody sprinkled salt and pepper in my glasses after I get it out of the dishwasher. Or you'll have the really caked on stuff, and then we, we we've got this new one. And the if you do it on like the power wash, the highest setting. That's got to do. I swear, it is a seven-hour process. <laughs> it is so long the amount that it takes to actually do that. So what, I usually what, go with the quick wash. What's what's time to a dishwasher? Just let, let it. Power That's true wash. overnight. But sometimes, so I, I have been in this mode lately. This probably isn't the most conservatory thing to do, but basically, if I'm at a point where I'm not going to be in the kitchen for a while and there's anything in there, I. I do the I clear that dishwasher out because I don't want to get to the overload overload point right. Yeah, well, and that, so, part of that's because you load it wrong. Oh, according God, to your wife. Why don't you hang out with my wife more? Well, I'm just Jeez. quoting her. Listen, 
if if the if if loading the dishwasher takes more effort than hand washing the dishes, we're all doing something wrong, and we did not take a step forward in technology. The thing is made; you can throw crap in there everywhere, and it gets washed, and it comes out clean. And if that's not what it does, time to go back to the drawing board, Maytag, Whirlpool, KitchenAid, KitchenAid. LG. Talking to all you. Yep. Talking to all you. All right, let's go to the phones. 402-479-1400. What chaps your hide this morning? Charlie. Good morning, Charlie. What's chapping your hide? Well, Jack, I have to admit something. What's that? After I'm, I'm, I discriminate and I'm highly prejudiced against smokers. Oh. Oh, I hate smokers. I'm, I mean, I don't hate them personally, but I hate their behaviors. Uh, you know, smokers almost feel like they're privileged and uh, entitled to be able to smoke in places where people have to smell it. Have you ever walked out of a restaurant or out of a building and there's people hanging around the door and they're smoking because they have to be outside, but you walk through a cloud of uh, hazardous, uh, toxic fumes when you walk, walk by them because they're smoking right next to the door and you have no no option and they don't they don't even think about the fact that they're making you do that the other thing is is that they don't think the cigarette butts are trash ah. those things they they are done and they flick those and you see them all over the streets you see them outside the doorways of offices laying around nasty nasty cigarette butts and they think that they just disappear after they smoke them and throw them away, or they are biodegradable in some way. They're not. Like a banana that, peel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll throw a banana peel out the yeah. window, no doubt. But that, yeah. that really irritates me. All right, I got you, Charlie. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I guess the good news for Charlie is kids aren't smoking anymore. They're vaping. I can't smell that as much. You know, I've, uh, not, uh, there's not butts. I haven't seen lately. Uh, remember when you used to be driving down the street, and you'd there'd be a couple of cars ahead of you, and there'd be this cloud of vaping coming oh, out. So, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen much of that lately. I don't, I don't know what the, what the... Well, they've cracked down. They've cracked down a bunch on the um, on what some of the, the, the big companies are able to sell in terms of flavors and and those sort because that that decision came from the fda uh on what's the uh the brand what it was one of the tobacco companies had in not the other one views okay. views they had that where they they got rid of the flavored ones but uh anyway going forward so uh all right what else do we have uh going on <laughs> randy says that guy sucks they're not smoking inside anymore screw charlie <laughs> <laughs> it, it is crazy mark because I mean, it was not that long ago you would walk into, say, the Village Inn or, or somewhere, and the first question they'd ask you, smoking or non-smoking? Like, can you believe we were, I mean, it's just, it's hard to believe, and I did it, you did it, I mean, we sat in these places, and if there was no place in the non-smoking, you got, all right, smoking is fine, and there's people just ripping cigarettes out while you're eating a meal. It's just <laughs> impossible. It's so hard to believe. When I, back when I first got in this business, you also had a smoking section on airplanes. On, on airplanes Always as well. in the back. I, uh, in, in law school... They told me that they had just, when I was in there, they had just gotten rid of the final exam rooms. They had final exam rooms where smoking was allowed. Oh, wow. That, that had just been, just been cleared out. So, 
anyway, fascinating stuff. Um, all right, what else do we have on here? Um, <laughs> purple street lights. Purple street. Oh, Chris says purple street lights. I'm not mad at them, but could they be better organized to either do entire streets of purple or alternate consistently? That would at least make one of my wishes. Come. That's actually a good point. That's what bothers me about them, too. It's all the people who need some level of order. Now, I won't load the dishwasher with any order, but I, Chris is right. I would love to see it go purple, white, purple, white, purple, white, or purple down one side, white down the other side. That that sense of symmetry is is something that's missing. Yeah, for well, me. if if that's the case, you'd make it be uh, CDO. What's that? Well, if OCD is, you know, <laughs> it, it'd have to be CDO. I, but uh, Jason also commented on that that the purple ones are defective. Yeah, no, yeah. There's been we we've covered that. Are they really purple or are they blue? I would call them purple. I don't know. I don't know. Some people are very bothered by them, and maybe that's what's uh, kind of interesting to Adrian Martinez. Again, here I I say <laughs> purple. He's, he's being he thinks it's a message for him to go to uh, Kansas State. Yep. I w- w- it does make me kind of wish that we had because I recently got one of those those smart bulbs, and you can tell your smart device to change it to any color. Mm-hmm. And my family hates it, but I have fun with that all the time. <laughs> Like, like, I turn it on all red in the living room, and they're like, Dad, why does it feel like we're walking into Hades right now? <laughs> but, I, I mean, we need those for the lights. You could do seasonal seasonal themes on the streets, all those sorts of things. It'd be great. be great on uh, 4th of July. All right, back to the phone. Fo- yeah, see, you do red, white, and blue on the 4th of July. Think of all the things you could do. All right, back to the phones. We're about out of time here, but let's get Jason in. Good morning, Jason. What's chapping your hide? Hey, Jumpin' Jack. What's you up? Know, one for me is... Uh you go through the line at the store, and you, I just expect the cashier to say hello. You know, back in the day, we used to say, okay, that'll be fourteen twenty nine, please. And then a thank you at the end. I mean, it's hard to find a thank you any anywhere. I mean, you get plenty of have a good one or have a good night or something like that. But the word thank you, it, it doesn't come out much <laughs> in retail settings at restaurants or grocery stores or whatever. And, I mean, I'll... I'll I'll just stop and you know, you know, I'll be like, "Hey, you gotta give me a hello at least before we start this here. Otherwise, I can't finish off this." But I'm a little bit of a stickler on that. Probably a pain in the butt to see cashiers. But. Come on, yeah, anyway. we need all the cashiers we can get, Jason. We need I all. Know, but give me a hello at least. You know? <laughs> all right, uh, hey, hey, Jason. Before you hang up, yeah. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Thank you, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Have a good one. But but we need a balance there. Uh, so Jason wants a hello and a thank you. What do you know? What I don't want is what are you doing the rest of the what day? What are you doing the rest of the day? I don't want anyone ever asking me that. Least of all, someone. I mean, whoever is telling clerks and drive-thru attendants to say, "What do you have going on the rest of your day?" Stop them immediately. It won't. It literally makes me avoid your places. I could care less if the seventeen to twenty-two-year-old talks to me. Yeah, I, I, I don't care if they talk. Could, could, could not care less. I'm I'm on the other side of the too much. Play, again, just a bizarre. What do you you got big plans for the rest of the day? How many more stops do you have? What kind of a question is that? Who who even measures life in stops? All right, let's count them down without any further ado. Here we go with number five. 
the COVID-19 risk dial moved to the elevated orange as the virus continues to have its uh, firm grip on Lancaster County. Health Director Pat Lopez says it indicates the risk of the virus spreading and the effect on the community is high and increasing. Seven-day rolling average of news cases on November 24th was 127 before briefly decreasing due to testing availability around the holiday and then increased sharply now to 170 cases a day on average on December 4th. And 75% of the new cases since November 28th are under the age of 50. In the last week, positivity rate 14.7%, the highest since they've been keeping track. Uh, six deaths so far in the month. You begin to wonder if this was a Thanksgiving holiday surge. Yeah, the, perhaps. Uh, per, you know, maybe, but then on the other hand, right? It, You've got Thanksgiving, but on the other hand, you know, people are going to what we would have deemed earlier super spreader events all the time, right? So, it, but a lot of those were outside. The, yeah, but I mean, how many people were at Pinnacle Bank Arena last night? Uh, you know, concerts, all of all of those sorts of things. And yeah, there's, you know, there's a there's a mask mandate, but let's be honest, that's only. Any place you're drinking or eating, it's it, it's kind of out the window. So uh, I don't know. It, it's it, it's hard for me to say. Okay, well, you've got these, you know, these smaller gatherings happening uh, all over the place. When people have been people, I mean, people have been gathering. So I don't I don't know what the truth is. The more interesting th- thing, though, to me, Mark, is you're coming up to an interesting time here in the next couple of weeks here, where you know I know I know there are people who tell me that. That I'll, I'm I'm wrong on this, but I think there is a strong desire and hope from the health department that they could get rid of the mask mandate at the end of December. I I, I do think that was the case. I think that was a tentative, and maybe still is a tentative plan. I think there's some. Uh, I think there's some relevance in the fact that it happens at the semester break for schools as well, but. You know, maybe maybe that momentum, that change, whatever there was there at that point, is not going to is is not going to happen if the the numbers are where they uh, where they are right now. So we'll see, but it's going to be kind of a a, a a key two weeks here in what happens with those decisions. I wonder when uh, if the state, the Department of Health and Human Services, at the governor's office, is going to take a look again at hospitalization and hospital capacity. Yes. Because that seems to be one of the biggest issues right now. So far, the governor has, has said no on that, but you, you're right to point it out because a year ago at this time was when the state actually laid down some pretty you know significant restrictions that were going to be triggered by hospital capacity numbers that was happening just at this time last year so um yeah tom says they could get rid of it today if they wanted to they could but uh, yeah yeah they obviously could but i think they were waiting and hoping they would be able to do it at that time right before the holidays, right before the semester break of school. I think there's some significance at that time period. That's my somewhat, I I would say it's somewhat educated, but also speculation. I do think it would be wise for uh, us to look at the other counties that do not have mask mandates and see what their surge is going in. Just be honest, I haven't done that yet. Uh, I think we should look at Florida, Mark. Why would you bring up other counties when you could bring up Florida? Wow.
I think I'm done listening to you. All right. I'll see you later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I agree. And I think that's driving. I mean, I think... I think that's part of what was driving what I think was starting to be a, a shift on the way that the, they're looking at the mask mandate. But we'll see. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Steven is really... He says Lincoln is the new Iron Curtain and the rest of the state is the free world. Jeez. I mean, I'll st- and, and, and I know I, I feel like I'm in the minority of the people who talk about this. I think they should, I think they should end it now. Um, but I don't. It's not on, not high on my list of things that I'm passionate about. So that, that's where I'm on that. But on the other hand, I'm not a person who has to wear it constantly. And it'd probably be a little bit differently if I, I had to. I guess I'm a little surprised that 68,000 people in the county still are not vaccinated. Well, I mean, it, I I, re- I realize it's a personal choice. I'm not saying it, it just seems to me that that number is higher than I would have expected. Here's one of the reasons why I think the I think getting rid of the mask mandate may help the vaccination effort, which I think is more important, frankly. Um, I, I think there's a there's a tie between those two, and I think it dissuades people to get vaccinated if if things don't change. And so you say, well, why do it if you were hesitant to do it at the beginning? So that's part of the reason I'm kind of where I am on the on the mask mandate anyway. But it's hard for me to it's hard for me to lose sleep about it right now. Like I know a lot of people obviously feel very strongly about it, though. Number four, Florida, here I come. Florida. Residents who live near a proposed solar farm east uh, northeast of Lincoln uh, turned out in force yesterday. The Lancaster uh, the Lancaster County Board. Uh, they're wanting them to deny or slight significantly modify a special use permit allowing that Chicago company's project to move forward. The special permit, which commissioner, commissioners will vote on December 16th, uh, would allow Ranger Power to develop the solar farm on about 1,500 acres or so, stretching on from 148th and, uh, to 190th and from O to Havelock. Uh, There's a pretty good map of the project area, and uh, at the Journal Star, uh, Margaret Reese did the story um, about the commission's meeting yesterday. Uh, A lot of things that they're worried about, fires, uh, vegetation, um, things like that, driving down property values in the area. So just not sure where it's going to end up. Um, So number one, that's a... Uh, to steal some of Fred Hoiberg's language, that is a big A solar farm. Um, it is. You can say it. It's okay. <laughs> 148 to 190 in Oda Havelock? Jeez. Well, well, it's not solid. Okay, but still, it's 1,430 acres. Well, and really, to get to their projected level, they need about 2,800 acres. Jeez. Uh, that is huge. A, a, what a two megawatt, uh, two hundred megawatt uh, solar. Farm. Is the do you think the biggest concern is just you know ha- having across the street, living across the street from a solar farm, and just what that does to the property value sure. or the perception of it, or is it some of those other no it's, concerns it, that uh, come the, along the, the with biggest, solar farms? The biggest thing would be the, the you know the what they look like having it in your neighborhood uh, and driving down property values. That that. From what I get, that's the the biggest uh, issue. Maybe cut a deal, cut a deal, and give everybody who's impacted by it some uh, free solar powered uh, juice for their home. Well, you know, you can make the case about farmland being used for solar uh, farms like this. Uh, farmers 
And, and, and full disclosure here, we just sold uh, the rest of our family farm up in Minnesota. We're still dealing with a power company. There's a solar farm just uh, about a mile from there. They would actually, the power lines would go through this parcel that we just sold, but we retained the, the power rights to it. Uh, so we've got a little bit of not background knowledge on some of the processes, at least in Minnesota. But uh, there's a question about really the validity of using good productive farmland yeah. for these types of things compared to what they can produce uh, solar-wise. You take out uh, an acre of, say, corn, which can recycle something in the neighborhood of 60,000 tons of carbon every year. Mm. Um, and, and so what's the offset? Uh, then, uh, if, depending on how the solar panels are mounted, you've got issues with grazing, or if you can graze underneath, how do you take care of uh, weeds and, and uh, anything that grows up, or trees? So you've got to get in there and do that. So, But it's it's not an easy process, and, and if we are, are going to live with green energy, we're going to have to come up with some solutions, like my proposal, to make it an option for every surface parking lot in the city. You know, mount solar panels 10, 15 feet above surface parking lots. Like, so there's like a ceiling of solar panels? Yeah. I mean, you've seen the ones over at Creighton University on some of their parking lots. I won't lots. go on that campus. You don't have to go <laughs> on the campus seen, to see them. <laughs> you know, put them up there and... All right. Speak, uh, speaking of official boycotts... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, well, uh, and then people in Southwest Lincoln are like, "Hey, would you rather have a Walmart? We'll trade you." <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving on. Could have a wind Number farm. Number three. Yeah, it could have been one of those giant things. You go down I eighty toward Iowa. Yep. Uh, the first major winter storm moving into the state. Northern and western counties expecting the heaviest amounts of snow. Here they've got us from nothing to a trace, maybe up to two inches, depending on if this thing wobbles a little bit as it moves through the state. Um, but the northern counties, they're saying up to six to eight inches and some pretty strong winds. Uh, uh, the outlook and the maps and everything is at KLIN.com. If you want to go and look and prepare and have you fixed the starter rope on your floor. Um so, I'll take that this thing's no. in the Pacific. Well, I mean, the, I'm, I'm just thinking about how this thing is in the Pacific right now, and this thing bumps south just a little bit, Mark. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we got a winter wonderland, which, by the way, in that scenario, we also have temperatures forecast in the 70s next week. And so, it will not be a, uh, it'll be a fairly short-lived white Christmas if that actually happens, but I'm mean, at there's a part of me, Mark, that would either that would rather get either none, or I mean, let's not screw around. Get four to six inches. I got, oh, I gotta get my snowblower fixed. I still so got. I just asked you about. That. Oh, I'm sorry. I was. You weren't listening. Uh, sorry, you're I might right. Just I just go back to the newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk. Well, about you didn't bring up Florida in the first one, and I guess you just don't. You don't care about uh, about Florida anymore. Uh, no, uh, you, the answer to your question is no. I haven't. Even though I had a listener reach out and offer to help me out with it, which I appreciate, and if he's listening today, I am going to call you because I need to do that. That's it. <laughs> Number two. I don't know if I even want to talk about this. Oh. UNL men's basketball. I'll leave it at that. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was, to use the head coach's uh, words, embarrassing and humiliating. That's how I felt. That was, uh, and first of all, the, the, the thing was, there was an okay crowd there to start the game anyway. Like, it wasn't great. You were, you had 
eight or ten minutes left of the second half, there's a pretty good exodus happening. Around the four-minute mark, you had that really big exodus that you normally have. It should take longer for that arena to look empty after the buzzer than it did last night. It was couldn't hit anything, no effort on the defensive side of the ball. There's This team is not at all in the place we thought they would be after that Colorado exhibition game. Remember that? Remember how good it seemed the like things could game have that been? No one will ever forget because it looked so good and That's the best the teams looked. You had, a, you had a side note, Caleb, that you told me about earlier, that there was a bunch of scouts there? Uh, yeah, so one, because Nebraska's obviously got Bryce McGowan's five-star, looking like he's probably going to be a one-and-done guy going the first round, but Michigan's got several guys as well, and so there was about 12, 14 scouts there from and different NBA teams. So there was there were eyes on this team last night. Obviously, Alonzo Verge scored 30, but he also only had three assists, didn't move the ball well, and had four turnovers. And there wasn't any effort on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know how much any of those scouts were impressed by guys wearing white. I, I, I mean, I don't. I, this is this is blunt. I think Fred Hoiberg would probably agree with me, though, based on what he said, because he was blunt afterwards. But I, I've got no choice to say what I then to say what I think about this, and it looked like they were playing without a coach. It looked like they were playing without a plan, and they have multiple times this year, but it came to a head yesterday, uh-huh. and it's hard to believe at this point when you've got talent. I don't know if it's the best talent ever at Nebraska, but. Um, some really good talent. It's highly rated at Nebraska. Talent. You got a coach that's had success elsewhere. Like, how is this happening? How can this be happening? It's not that they lost necessarily to a Michigan team. They were the underdog. I, you know, I wouldn't have been shocked if they lost. They, they had a good game, but the way that they lost that game and the way that they consistently lose these games, where it looks like there is no direction on offense. The, the consistency of missing threes, and a lot of them are bad threes. I mean, let's be honest. It's part of it isn't just bad luck. It's bad shot selection. Uh-huh. A lot of just step back crazy stuff early in the shot clock. And then some of the Michigan guys, there were there was a couple of Michigan three-pointers where the guys were so wide open in the corner, they could have written a letter to their mom telling them that they were about to take a three-pointer, sent it off, and then shot it and still made it. Is it, is it time for Amy Williams to help coach the coach? Oh my gosh. I don't know what's happening. And you know what? Fred seemed absolutely like the right guy. Um, When they decided to go in another direction, I love the idea that Fred was interested and they were going to go after him. You know? But, man, it's hard to believe, yet it's not hard to believe that it's this bad because everything when it comes to football and basketball has been this bad for a long time. And another day, another day for the Husker football and basketball fans to not have a win. And, yeah... The women's sports. The women's sports are my therapy. And it will be again tomorrow night. Number one. man was taken into custody early this morning in New York after allegedly setting a Christmas tree on fire outside the Fox News building, Midtown Manhattan. Uh, That was, by the way, a 50-foot tree with 10,000 ornaments and 100,000 lights. Video posted online showed the tree engulfed in large flame. Firefighters uh, out there, uh, they put it out, but it's pretty much destroyed. No injuries reported. Um, man in his 40s arrested. That's why you got to water your trees. He actually so- cl- climbed partway up, they found out. so. Jeez, inside inside a Christmas tree? Yep. 
My goodness. They think he may have used some accelerant. <sighs> okay. All right. Still, water your trees. 758 on KLIN. Well, it hasn't been made official yet, but we are on the verge of finding out a lot more about the Nebraska football offensive coaching staff. Uh-huh. Uh, Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star is reporting that there will be official word on hires for offensive coordinator position and the offensive line position. Those names specifically, offensive coordinator uh, from the University of Pittsburgh, Mark Whipple, like the Charmin guy, <laughs> and Bear Stafford, Donovan Riola. Yes, brother of Dominic Rayola, but Donovan went to Wisconsin. He was a good lineman there at Wisconsin, and he was most recently with the Chicago Bears. And as Caleb can tell you, the Chicago Bears are about to clean house. So, uh, yeah. uh, so. <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah. So there, there was a lot wrong with that team from uh, from pretty much resulting from Nagy. Yes. But that we don't we don't no, need we to don't get into go that way. So so this is so you're starting to get an idea of what the staff would be. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, Caleb, if Ron Brown has a coaching role back on back on this offense, maybe running backs coach at this point. Here's the thing. If you do that, though, you do not have a special teams coordinator. Okay. And there's been talk. And Bill Bush is on uh, a member of the program right now. He's a former special teams coordinator mm-hmm. um, under Callahan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. back, a lo- back a while back. Um uh, and he could be a special teams coordinator with this whole thing, too. But I want to focus real quick. I, I think the most interesting part of this, Caleb, is Mark Whipple here. So he went. And the he, offenses he's coached. Yeah. So most recently he was at uh, University of Pittsburgh. And for those who don't follow ACC football that closely, they just won the ACC title. They're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. They've got a uh, quarterback. Uh, in Kenny Pickett, who was going to New York for the Heisman. Their offense was one of the best statistical offenses in the country last year. Although prior to that, they hadn't necessarily been lighting the world on fire during Whipple's career. Here's the interesting thing, though. Whipple is a lifetime East Coaster. And what I mean by that in part, and this was in Parker's story, he has not had a coaching job outside of the Eastern time zone since 1984 when he coached the Arizona Wranglers. That was the USFL team, by the way. That was the last time he was out of a coaching job. New Hampshire, New Haven, Brown, UMass, Steelers, Eagles, Miami, Florida, uh, Cleveland Browns, UMass again, uh, and then most recently Pittsburgh where he had been for three years. So he's got head coaching experience. He's got years of OC experience. Um, he's got years of quarterback coaching. Coach Ben Roethlisberger for the yep. Steelers when uh, when he got started. But here's So here's my question about him. If you're Whipple, uh, you're 64 years old, by the way. You've been on the eastern part of the United States your entire life, born in New York. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Like, what, what do you have to gain from it? Why? Yeah. I mean, at that point in your career. And by the way, Pitt uh, is had a great season this year. Historically has been a good program as well. Uh, they're losing their quarterback. They, you know, probably a little bit of a rebuild on the offense next year. But, like, I'm trying to get my mind around exactly why you do this. And you go not only to a part of the country where you're very, very unfamiliar with mm-hmm. conference you haven't had, had any experience in, 
but a job situation that's, I mean, let's be honest, it's a bit tenuous. Um, it's not a rock solid. Hey, right. this coaching staff is going to be here for five years, and so we're going to ride out the rest of rest of my career here. That to me is the fascinating question. I don't have the answer. I, I I've got a, a, a theory on that. Number one is he can make twice as much money. That helps going into retirement. That helps, um, especially when you're thinking. You know what? Even if it's just for one year, my family's going to be better off. By me going and trying this, he might be just wanting that new challenge, so something else that hasn't been an opportunity before. Um, and obviously, things have gone well. He's got someone going to New York City to, as a Heisman finalist, and um, that's one of the things is it really helps when you've got guys that are pretty good um, that you can coach. That uh, think about Joe Brady who left LSU. Well, it really helped that he had had Burroughs down there. That helps guys get mm-hmm. the next job. So I think. Whipple's going to have a chance if he does indeed come here. The offense will change a little bit. Everywhere he's been has thrown the ball significantly more than what Nebraska has done under Frost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe outside of that Wisconsin game where pretty much went air raid because it was working. Uh, But I think the other part of this is because of his age and knowing what the situation is here in Lincoln and saying, if it doesn't work, it was just one year. It was one year I made a bunch of money, and now I can retire. Like Maybe it's not the way you want to go out, but there there is the side of it that could be working in the favor of, if it doesn't work out, I'm not on a three-year contract, and I have to just try and figure things out. If it does work, it works, and, and he's still around. But if it doesn't, yeah, I can just retire now. Like I, I, there might be a little bit of that maybe, thinking in there. Maybe I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's it'll be really interesting to hear when he does have some interaction with the the media, and and we expect this to be officially announced here uh, this morning at some mm-hmm. point. We keep, right. we keep monitoring Twitter to to let you know. But that's that that's fascinating, um, and and why you would leave that that Pittsburgh situation at this point in your career. That's that, that's the other thing. But like you said, maybe financial financially it plays significant. The other thing that's interesting, which you, you might not have noticed, is I'm looking at his resume. Uh, he went to Brown University, 1976 to 1979, played quarterback there. You know who else was going there that time? Ron Brown. Ah, oh, that's right. Yep, Ron they, Brown. they were teammates. Yeah, yeah Ron Brown uh, also. Uh, he also coached at Brown from 1994 to to 1997 and so there's i mean people are asking is there some connection there that that might be it that that might be it um, it might be part of it for sure yeah. um right exactly so by the way 137 and 103 in his life as a head coach uh, had several head coaching stops as well uh on this whole thing and so now you've brought together you know it's it, it's really it's really different, obviously, than when Frost came here because he brought his staff with him from Central Florida. You brought together this entire staff that had been pretty much working together at least for a year, in mm-hmm. some cases more than a year, and now you're taking several disparate pieces on this offensive staff now. Mickey Joseph, Donovan Rayola on the offensive line, Whipple, potentially Ron Brown. I don't know what's what's going to happen with that, yeah. Who's who's actually been here. But guys who don't necessarily, I mean, uh, Mickey Joseph is Louisiana as it comes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Donovan Riola is uh, kind of, is, is pretty Midwest, 
right? Um, and and so this will be a fascinating combination to see exactly what happens here with these two. And now the next step and the next question is, what does that mean for the quarterback position? And as many have pointed out, Whipple, the day before he retired or resigned, I should say, at Pittsburgh, was in the home of a Florida State quarterback named Chubba Purdy, mm-hmm. whose brother is Brock Purdy, who's a quarterback at Iowa State. Yep. He's a highly recruited quarterback and who is in the transfer portal. Recruiting him for Pitt, I guess, right. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> At the time, but a day later, he resigns his position, and presumably today he will be made officially the offensive coordinator. Does he go back down to Chubba's house? I'm sure he makes that call Stand in front of the Christmas tree again and say, you know what I told you about Pitt? I meant it about Nebraska. <laughs> hey, I think you'd like this place even better. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know. Um, but one thing I will point out about him, I think if you want something optimistic about him, um, if you watch the Heisman ceremony this weekend, listen to what they say about Kenny Pickett. He's the Pittsburgh quarterback this year. He's been there forever. He, uh, he's, I mean, he. It seems like he's been there. If you pay attention to ACC football, one of those guys um, who, who the Mojo Haggy, if you will, of Pittsburgh football. But he's not been. He did not come into the season, Caleb. Uh, I, I would bet if you went back to August and looked at Heisman odds. I mean, I guess his name was nowhere no. around there. He was kind of just sort of a typical, you know, a, I don't know if game manager is the word, but kind of a, a league average quarterback for the most part. And something clicked, something developed with him this year where he has shot himself up NFL draft boards, got himself in New York for the Heisman. I don't think he'll probably win the Heisman, uh, but is going to be one of the four finalists, one of the top four vote getters with that entire thing. And you talk about what's held back Nebraska's offense, not only during the Frost era, but let's be honest. How far do you want to go back to post-Solich era? How many times when this program hasn't been where you wanted it to, have you been able to say the quarterback position got demonstrably better throughout the career of that quarterback? Right. Who do you want to take? I mean, you Uh. can... I mean, Joe Daly at the beginning, <laughs> right? That wasn't that was a long, a long situation. Uh, maybe maybe Zach Taylor is an exception. Maybe he's an exception to that. Joe Gans might be an exception to that. But man, talk about Taylor Taylor Martinez and Adrian Martinez. It's incredible. It's uncanny how similar their career trajectories. As, as soon were. as you've seen someone make make a start, you've known what you've had, whether whether they were playing one, two, or four years. And you maybe have seen the peak. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue Taylor Martinez and Adrian Martinez both peaked in their first game or two, <laughs> in, in, just in terms of their best play, mm-hmm. right. just in terms of their very best play. It wasn't something where you came in a year later and said, okay, this is this quarterback, a, a Kenny Pickett-style jump. You haven't seen that with uh, with a whole lot of quarterbacks. So there hasn't been, and, and everyone talks about, well, you make that biggest jump from, from year one to year two, because now you've understood stuff. We're not seeing guys make those make that jump yeah. at the quarterback position. You know, you know, you go back to Tommy Armstrong, same thing probably. Um, so there you go. So that I mean, I think that's that's what you put your hope in here. What kind of a play caller will he be? How will he work with Frost? How much can he take off Frost's plate? Definitely have the experience there.
But now how will he recruit? What kind of a quarterback does he want to bring in now? How much does it change the way the offense looks? Don't quite know any of those things, but it looks like this whole coaching search is about to wrap up. And then the focus goes to the uh, the transfer portal and who's coming out of it. And how quickly, when when this is announced, does a quarterback follow suit? It's a good question. It's a good question. But you got to get going on this thing. I mean, uh-huh. it's hard to go into a quarterback's home, sit in front of the Christmas tree, and be like, oh, we're going to figure out who the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach right. is a little bit later. Right. But we'd like you to come here. <laughs> All right, 825, we'll take a break. we got John Bishop coming up in 10 minutes on KLIN. KLIN. All right, 838. LNK today with Jack and Friends. 23 degrees in the capital city. Glad to have you back with us. John Bishop joins us now, Sister Station 1620 Zone. He's the host of Unsportsmanlike Conduct from 2 to 6 with Josh Peterson. Um, I I was excited, John. I was listening to your show yesterday, and as soon as the uh, Mark Whipple talk began, I was uh, glad that you went right to the uh, "Don't squeeze the Charmin" take, just like I did. First first thing I thought of, I could not I, I, I could not think of anything else for about an hour before that. Didn't didn't we have better television commercial characters back in our day? I don't know. I think was there something a little weird about Mr. Whipple? Like, uh, well, of he, course there was. He, he was a guy who was obsessed with people not squeezing the toilet paper. Right, but then he would do it himself. Like, what's hiding? Uh, what is he hiding exactly? Uh, well, he's trying to keep all the squeezable softness to himself. That's what he was trying to do. He was he was worried that the customers would squeeze all of the goodness out of the Sherman. Is squeezing toilet paper really that enjoyable? I mean, I think that's a fair question. Um, he seemed to be taking an extra level of pleasure in it that that was beyond reasonable. Sure, pr- pr- protecting sure, other but, people from taking you know, that pleasure. Still, um, thanks to that, we now at least have a way to remember who Nebraska's offensive coordinator exactly. is. Exactly, that is exactly right. Let me allegedly, ask, allegedly, allegedly I keep yeah. I keep refreshing Twitter to see one of those graphics that says "Welcome uh, to Mark Whipple," but so far nothing. But it sounds like, according to Parker Gabriel's report, it could happen any time here. Uh, so I did notice when I was driving home last night that the uh, stadium was lit up red. Ooh. So I don't I now now that that also could have been because it was a red alert because across the across the interstate Michigan was laying a, a whooping oh, on Nebraska ball but Stoney. we we maybe or maybe it's a situation like with the streetlights in Lincoln where the the bulbs are faulty and they're supposed to be white but they're just you know they're turning red like the purple Oh wait no of course the reason the stadium was lit up red is to honor the fact that you can't drive anywhere around downtown Lincoln because Uh-oh. half the streets are under yeah. Yeah, apparently that's bad. I don't know. I haven't been to downtown it's for terrible. two it's months. Awful. But anyway. Uh, okay, so let me ask you the question I asked Caleb during our last segment. If you're Mark Whipple, okay, you're, you're Whipple, you are 64 years old, you haven't had a coaching position outside of the Eastern time zone since 1984, you just had a really good season at Pittsburgh as offensive coordinator, putting your quarterback into the Heisman Trophy conversation. Why in the heck are you going to Nebraska right now? Money. That's it. Well, I mean, that's a big reason. I wouldn't be I mean, he was making, what did I see, 425, 450. Okay. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wager that he will double that. Okay. At least double that. 
coming to Nebraska and probably get three years guaranteed. So that's probably one reason. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, you know, different opportunity, I suppose. Um, you know, maybe, you know, also the fact that, you know, he can start fresh with um, and, and go out and get another quarterback, maybe one in the transfer portal, um, maybe one who, you know, has a brother who plays at Iowa State who he was recruiting on Sunday when he allegedly interviewed for the job. Um, maybe, maybe all of those things. Um, but I, I would guess that, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hefty pay raise and some guaranteed money for at least three years. I don't know. It's it's like at 64, when you've been in that same part of the country, for the most part, for your, your entire career, just came off a, a successful year. I just making that move. I'm just, again, you're probably right. That's probably what it is. And then going into a place where, yeah, the contract probably looks good, but you, you realize what the job security is going to be here just given the reality where Nebraska football is right now um, I guess I guess money has to talk to be able to do that and uh, hopefully it works out in in Nebraska's favor um, what, what what do you think the, the you know what do you think the connection here or kind of the the hook on Nebraska's side of this whole thing is like I know he he, uh, he and Ron Brown both went to to Brown but is it is is it is it his experience is it the the style is it the, what he was able to do with Kenny Pickett and developing quarterbacks Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh what do you think the most attractive thing is about him uh, as a candidate for offensive coordinator. My guess is obviously all of those things you mentioned, but then add into that he is he is he's very experienced. Um, and if Scott Frost, whom you know, I I still wonder if he's how much offense he's willing to turn over. Uh, I think we've talked about this here before, but you know when you're when you know you're up against the wall and you know the one thing that you've always hung your hat on is calling plays and designing offenses and running offenses um you you tend to you know when your back's against the wall to lean back on the things you know and you know it's that it's that trust factor it's that ability to say no i really am going to turn all of this over to somebody and i'm going to be more of a, a ceo and so perhaps you know just that experience you know somebody who's been through the battles several times um it, 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 versus a younger guy who you know maybe hasn't had the same level of experience and so uh, i'm i'm guessing that's probably part of it um you know and and, I, and then all the things you mentioned you know he had a great season with pickett pickett showed some uh, growth over the, his time there in the three years that they were together. Yeah, um, you know he 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 showed improvement each year, and you know and it, and so I think it's I, I and and I also think that you know it's it's not a dramatic change in what Nebraska has already been doing. I've never believed for one minute that Nebraska needed to change anything dramatically when it comes to its scheme because I don't think that was the problem. I think it was more of an execution. Uh, and sometimes a personnel issue. Uh, so uh, all of those things together are probably uh, a big factor. And, and, and it is that experience. And it's something that you can sell, too. You know, hey, here's the guy who coached the guy who, you know, ran his way, passed his way into the Heisman Trophy conversation. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, that's pretty appealing. And for a, for a program that hasn't had a lot of good things to sell about it recently, um, you also want a little bit of, 
you know, you want, you want to create your own buzz because everyone else is creating their own buzz right now by hiring and firing, you know, variety of people. You want to create your own buzz. And, you know, this might also help on the recruiting trail as well. Yeah. The, the thing that sticks out to me that, that you mentioned was Pickett's career, especially in, in, in Pittsburgh, because he was there. I mean, if, you, if people who follow college football closely, he's been around forever. Like he, uh, he's been the quarterback there forever and always have been kind of like that league average guy. Right for the most part, I doubt. Yeah. I doubt that if you looked at Heisman listings in August, uh, odds makers would probably didn't have him anywhere on the list at all. Maybe, um, and so to see a quarterback develop like that, I mean, it's it's kind of the antith- antithesis of what's happened with quarterbacks, not just during the Frost era with Adrian Martinez, but you guys have talked about this, like the whole way, like how many quarterbacks at Nebraska had their best moment in their freshman year. Um, <laughs> seems like all of them. Yeah, <laughs> seems like it anyway. Yeah. So that's. I mean. So to me, that is. Uh, that's going to be a good deal. I want. I want to ask you this. Um, so and it looks like Donovan Rayola, the the Bears coach, uh, Bears offensive line coach, will also be coming over. Mickey Joseph already obviously here, and then we'll see what they do the rest of this. But one thing, John, that'll be interesting to me is so Scott Frost in. You know, and it stops taking Central Florida to Nebraska, basically brought his entire staff with us. There's been some piecemeal staff changes along the way, but normally he's had the vast majority of his staff consistent from year to year, and it's not a deal where guys need to be wearing name tags, essentially, in the the staff room, especially on the offensive side. This is completely different now. Everyone in that room, you're going to have people that, you know, especially the differences between Mickey Joseph, Mark Whipple, and Rayola, in that their paths haven't necessarily crossed uh, in the past that I know of. Uh, then you throw him in there, and then I don't know if it's a Ron Brown or something like that. But this is going to be like a new coaching situation for Scott Frost, where you kind of have, I don't think team of rivals is the right way to say it, but it's going to be kind of a different process than you've had before. How much do you think, um, how much do you think that's going to be a change for Scott Frost? Could it be a good change uh, for Scott Frost in the way that he kind of runs the coaching for the offense? It can, but it's it's really going to depend on how well the personalities get together, right? Um, because there is, even though you know you have a, a coordinator, there's it's a collaborative effort. You know, everyone's got to know what everyone else is doing on on that side of the ball, and um, it, it it will be unique. It can be good, absolutely, um, but it's going to be a challenge because. Frost has typically worked with the same guys his entire time. And that goes back to, you know, how much trust is he willing to, you know, give up as he steps back and takes a bigger picture role in all of this. The good news is, you know, you've got some time to work through it. Um, presuming that all of these hires are done here by the end of the week, you know, you, you, you obviously hit the ground, you know, with the last week of recruiting or last few days of recruiting before this first signing period. And then you've got another phase of recruiting and, 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 you know, on, honestly, a lot of the bonding could come together as they're pouring over the transfer portal mm-hmm. and seeing, okay, who's out there, who can we get? Um, who's going to fit what it is we want to do here. Um, so there'll be a plenty of opportunities to get to know each other over the next few weeks and, and to find out how the whole chemistry thing is going to work. And that's probably one area where having 
a Ron Brown, and we're presuming, but I think it's a safe assumption that Ron Brown's going to be the running backs coach. That's someone who Scott has known for you know twenty five years. So right. um, that's that that's kind of a comfort in, in in that you know in that aspect. And presuming that nothing changes on the defensive side, you know, you still got all of those guys that are coming back. But it will be it will be a challenge. Um, it can be good, um, but only time will tell. Because, you know, bring, mixing in a bunch of new personalities, new ideas, um, you know, it, it's there's this this will be a good first run of the whole CEO thing, because one of the things the CEO has to do is put together a good team and then, you know, right. get them to work together. Right. And that's 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 going to be the first challenge here is uh, as they, you know, hit the ground running. Yeah, it's uh it's a, it's a kind of a different a different look, a different job than he's has to do in the past. So so I guess assuming it does go like it looks like it will, Whipple Rayola, uh Mickey Joseph obviously perhaps Ron Brown. Uh, how do you I mean is that is that as good as Nebraska fans could have hoped for 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 how this whole thing turned out? Could it have been a lot better? Could it have been a lot worse? I, honestly, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, my, my initial reservations, um, are, are go back to recruiting Donovan Rayola. I don't think has ever recruited anybody ever. Um, you know, he, he coached a little bit at Aurora university, which is a division three school. Um, but other than that, he's been prim- primarily, you know, coaching in the NFL and, I don't know if Nebraska is a place where, you know, you want to have, have rookie recruiters out on the road because you need a lot of help in that, in that department. Um, now maybe they can make up for that lack of experience by, you know, doubling down on a, a Mickey Joseph type who is a really good recruiter. Um, you could, uh, but, I, you know, the, the, this is one of those situations where if you were already predisposed to think that Scott Frost, keeping Scott Frost was the right idea, then you're going to find every positive in these moves. And if you're on the other side of the fence, you're going to find all the negatives yeah. in these moves. And I, I don't, you know, do. it, it, you know, save for, save for bringing in, you know, Bill, Cal, Bill Callahan to run your offensive line and, you know, Sean McVay to be your offensive coordinator. You know, I'm talking people that folks really know. Right. Um, right. You know, this isn't going to this isn't going to jazz a bunch of people up. Now, what will help and what has already helped at least a little bit, especially in the case of Mickey Joseph, is, you know, how active he's already been on the recruiting trail, because that's what this month and the next month is about. Yep. It's really about recruiting. Right. Yeah. And so you can you can kind of create your own your own narrative without coaching a single down or a single practice uh, snap by, you know, hitting it hard in the recruiting trail and making some splashes there. And that will get people, you know, fired up. So yeah, as far as whether this is going to be a good thing, we'll, we'll know more, you know, come next year, but it will certainly be different and it will certainly be unique. Um, and, and I would just caution folks that the changes are not done yet. Uh, I still think there's going to be a heavy roster turnover uh, between now and next spring and even after the spring Ugh. because even after we get past this run right now with recruiting in the transfer portal, don't forget, there's a lot of guys that tend to enter the portal after spring ball uh, and a, 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 as they look ahead to the next semester. So there could be another phase of, you know, movers and shakers come, you know, April, May, early June. Yeah. 
Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the roster looks like here in, in a couple months. Last but not least, Nebraska basketball. John, uh, the, you, you, the ball has to go through the basket. That's, yeah, that's but, I mean, uh, and then you have to keep the other team from putting the ball through the basket. Which, but, uh, which I, I is, mean, which was the bigger problem last night, it, in my opinion. It's so hard because it feels so hopeless right now because you've got. I mean, you got the talent to a place that you wanted that it hasn't been at, supposedly, right? You've yep. got the coach that you trust in there, and the, and and you gave time. You, you didn't have high expectations at the beginning. You had the big roster turnover for three straight years, and now they get out there. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say it looks like they're not being coached. I, I don't even. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, I realize that's rush. I, that that's blunt, but. I, it, it, I mean, I don't think I'm out on a limb. I mean, can't buy a three-pointer on an offense that's based on three-point shooting. You watch a team you every week, John, that is a team that mm-hmm. scores a ton of its points on three-point shooting. If they're ever shooting 18%, 14%, they're screwed. Um, and you, you say, well, you got to go a different direction. I don't know what you do now. There's, got, I mean, there's got to be, and I'm not saying change the coach, but there's got to be Wholesale changes in how you're running your offense, how you're doling up minutes, who's getting time, but I have no idea what they are at this point. Like, and and I don't, I guess I don't even have a question here. It's like I'm talking to my therapist at this point, but what do you see from the outside when you're watching this whole thing? Well, last night was, was solely about effort. I mean, they, they, they got down in the dumps because, you know, they fell behind and then, you know, it just snowballed and, and you heard what Fred Hoiberg said, you know, they, that they basically quit. Which is, you know, that's that's a huge red flag. So, you know, this is last night was about effort. Last night was about, you know, not not letting what happens on the offensive end affect the defensive end. That's one of the hardest things in basketball because, unlike football, you're not switching out. Well, hey, we fumbled the ball, but that's all right. Our defense will come in and save the day. No, you are your defense. So that's that's the first thing is you can't let what happens on one end of the floor affect the other end of the floor. And, 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 you know, when he talks about, you know, we're going to find out on Thursday, you know, who wants to be here or who wants to, you know, who wants to be, wants to work. I, I think you're going to see, you know, a big challenge and a lot of people getting taken to task. And we're going to find out just how good they yeah. are and just how tough they are in the next few days. Feels like it maybe it should have happened earlier though. We'll see. All right. John, thanks. Have a good show. Have a good one. All right. You bet. There you go, John Bishop, CC20 Zone, 8-6-K-L-I-N.